Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks so much for uh, bearing with us uh, over the past couple weeks. I know we haven't been as active on posting our podcast lately, but we have been swamped over at Stratus. It was our busiest month we've ever had, and we're excited that we're growing and helping more pilots achieve their aviation dreams at Stratus Financial. So like I said, apologize for not getting out more episodes out quickly, but today we are uploading, I think, four, four or five, right today, Carson? We're doing a lot of episodes today. We'll see how many we can get done. Yeah, we're trying to catch up a little bit, so... Hopefully, we'll get back on and we have a brand new producer. His name is Mark. He's going to be helping us out. So keep an eye out for some YouTube videos and social media clips that are going to be coming out pretty soon on just tips and tricks for aviators. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited that he's a part of our team. And Mark, thanks so much for helping. Today, we are going to be going to talk about some news that is simply way too absurd to not discuss. Three separate stories involving three separate pilots all doing something absolutely insane. And they all end up in jail, as they should. All of them should have ended up in jail. I mean, they are pretty terrible. Some of you might have heard them on some other aviation news outlets, but we're going to be talking about them today and kind of giving you a little bit more backstory. As we were doing some show prep on this, I was flabbergasted by some of this stuff. So it was pretty outrageous to say the absolute least. Yeah, I was going through all these stories and I was like, Brandon, have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? And we decided we should probably just do an episode so I can tell all of you guys everything that's going on. So the first story we want to get into today It's been all over the news, aviation and non-aviation alike. And it was an off-duty Alaskan airline captain, and he was flying in the jump seat of an Alaskan air flight, and the flight was 2059, operated by Horizon Air and Embraer 175. By the way, for everybody who doesn't know what a jump seat is, there's another little seat that's super uncomfortable in the cockpit behind the two pilots, typically, and it's called a jump seat, and that's what we're referring to. So this pilot was just sitting right behind the two pilots, if you're not familiar with the jump seat is, behind the two pilots and basically getting a free ride, probably to dead hit home or going wherever they're going, right? Yep, that was exactly what he was doing. So he was going to go and fly another plane after this one, actually. So uh, once we get a little farther in, you'll understand why it's a good thing he did not get to go fly that plane. His name was Joseph David Emerson, and he was talking with the pilots, and suddenly he just threw his headset across the cockpit and said, I'm not okay. And then he grabbed two of the red fire suppression handles that are on the ceiling of the plane, and it's a T-shaped handle. And if that T-handle is fully deployed, there's a valve in the wing that closes and shuts off fuel to the engine. And he was trying to pull both of them down. And that was for the left and right engine. Luckily, the two pilots grabbed his wrists and stopped him from fully engaging the handles. They got him out of the cockpit, and he was placed in a flight attendant seat, and he was handcuffed till they landed. Aside from that, according to the flight attendant, while he was restrained, he even tried to grab the emergency exit handle, but the flight attendant stopped him. And the flight then safely diverted to Portland Air National Airport, where he was arrested. Even crazier, the court documents now show the reason for the whole situation. Emerson had taken psychedelic mushrooms two days earlier, and he hadn't slept in 40 hours. So in Oregon court, he was actually charged with 83 counts of attempted murder, one for every person on the plane, except for him, and one count of endangering an aircraft. And he was also charged with a federal court case of interfering with flight crew and flight attendants. And he pleaded not guilty to all of it. That's crazy. I mean, that's an insane story. By the way, psychedelic mushrooms are actually now legal in some places. Now, they're legal based on a state statute. They're not legal federally. Well, guess who controls pilots? 
the federal government, the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration even says federal in it, right? So they are still illegal, even though mushrooms and marijuana are actually legal in a lot of places now in the US, they're still very illegal in the US as a whole. He is going to get in a lot of trouble. And I'm guessing the reason why he pleaded not guilty is because his lawyers told him not to, and he's going to try to say he was insane or reason of temporary insanity due to drugs or something. But I mean, this guy's going to jail forever. What do you think, Carson? He tried to take down a plane, pretty much. I mean, that plane was seconds away from turning into a big glider. Yeah, and the last big glider that actually worked out was a miracle on the Hudson. And I'm guessing they were probably pretty far away from gliding distance from the ocean. And the ocean, you're not going to probably have as nice landing as the Hudson River was the day that uh, Sully Sullenberger landed, I guess, landed his glider in the river. So that's a pretty crazy story. I can't believe that. So, I mean, 83 counts of attempted murder. He's lucky he wasn't on a bigger airplane. You said he was Embraer? Yeah, Embraer 175, so a small one. Yeah, it's a small plane. I mean, imagine if he was on like a 737 or a 777 or something with hundreds of passengers in there. What happens if he actually would have pulled and like extinguished the engines? I mean, I'm not an airline pilot and I don't have a jet type rating, so I'm not sure if you could even restart those engines. But my guess is probably not once they get pulled. That's pretty crazy. I'm very curious if this is going to cause a lot of havoc in our industry, if they're going to make any changes to jump pilots. That's what they said. All the pilots are like, well, it just takes one to ruin it. You know, 9-11 just took one event to ruin airport security, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we always learn something from other things, but I don't know. In aviation, there's a lot of risk involved no matter what. And we can try to keep on mitigating the risk, but at some point, what are we mitigating? So will jump seats be taken away? I don't know. There's a good possibility it could happen. But also the pilots could be crazy and do the same thing. So I don't know, maybe it's safer to have the third person and just take the risk. I guarantee there's going to be a long investigation on this one. Well, he was a captain and he was deadheading to go and fly or go and fly a plane. So he could have been the pilot flying to the next airplane and it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. And if he was the captain and the first officer was a green person, I mean, you never know. They might not have taken the initiative to shut that captain down. Yeah, could have been a lot worse. Could have been a heck of a lot worse. But there's, like we said, there are several crazy stories that have happened this week. That's one of them. <laughs> and uh, that one we could probably talk about like the ifs and, and whys for, for hours. But as everybody knows, we have this podcast and we try to keep it 15 to 25 minutes, around 20 minutes usually. That way it's palatable on your way to work or wherever you go. But I've got another crazy story for you. This one particularly bugged me uh, after all my time in the flight school business. A student pilot at the Treasure Coast Flight School in Florida named, I can't say his name, but I think it's Suembig, S-U-M-E-B-H, Singh, last name Singh, is in the U.S. on a work visa from India, and he's working on his flight training. Singh was denied a solo flight uh, by the school and became enraged. He was then caught on video going plane to plane uh, on one of the school's fleet and damaged 10 aircraft total. The owner of the school estimates he caused at least $12,000 in damage, and I can't find many examples or details on what he damaged or what he did. But at least one source explains that he did things like bending the throttle controls and, and stuff like that. Singh was upset because of how much money he spent on training. And his goal was to cause $50,000 in damage because that's how much he spent on the program. 12K in damage doesn't sound like a lot of damage in terms of aircraft maintenance. But 10 planes in the fleet down for several days of maintenance, that really, really adds up. Singh was also arrested for vandalism and charged with felony criminal mischief. This case is being investigated by the FBI since it was involved with aircraft. And since he's an Indian uh, citizen, he's also being investigated by Immigration and Customs Enforcement. I have to say that this one really ticks me off. I've actually found my airplanes messed with before when I was running a flight school. And 
I was not happy with that. And I have had to have people go and look at it. And unfortunately, cameras didn't catch anything uh, because I thought the cameras at the airport were working at the time and they were not. Now, I didn't find 10 airplanes messed with, but I did find my doors opened and I did find little things missing and, and stuff like that. So I think it was more just people trying to steal little things rather than really hurting the aircraft. But this guy went out to go cause damage. And honestly, I don't understand what goes through people's mind on why would you go and damage somebody else's property and think that, oh, oh, I'm going to get away with this. They owe me 50000 because they didn't give me a solo. This kid is crazy. I mean, that's ridiculous. So I'm going to be the devil's advocate on this. And the school should have cut off his training a long time ago. They were milking this student. Now, should he have went and damaged aircraft? Oh, heck no. No way. I mean, that is outrageous. But the school should have stopped his training a long time ago and not milked the student for $50,000 because obviously he was not meant to become a pilot if he spent $50,000 and hasn't soloed yet. That's outrageous. There's some people, not very many, that are just not meant to become pilots. And this kid must have been one of them. Well, you know, most of the sources say it's 50000 that he spent on his training. I'm guessing just because of my time in Stratus, especially, and my time in the flight school business, that what he was doing was he, he got a program like, you know, zero to commercial for 50000 Either way, he, he probably did go too long without doing a solo and probably just wasn't cut out for flying. Yeah, frustration's real. And I think we can actually take an example of this, maybe not the, the part with him damaging all the aircraft because that's outrageous, but just know that it's possible to not solo for a long time, whether it be in 15000 or $50,000 that you've spent. It is possible that that doesn't happen. Personally, I've soloed students at, I don't know, 10, 15 hours. I've also soloed students at 70 or 80 hours. And it normally correlates with the age of the student. I tell everybody, the closer you are to 18, the lower your, your pilot hours will typically be. And the older you get, every 10 years, you add about 10 or 15 hours to whatever it'll be to get your pilot certificate. And it also kind of differs, I've noticed, on men and women. It differs in, in time spent. Now, it's not an absolute rule by any means. There's some people that do fantastic and some people that don't. But there are trends, and it's just the way that our, our bodies are, are made up and psychologically and, and how we learn. And it's just human physiology. So just know that everybody is different. And because your friend soloed at 15 hours doesn't mean that you will solo at 15 hours. It means you could solo at 50 or 100 or heck, even 150. I've seen people do that before. And those people, we've, we've mentioned to those people in, the, in my past, I've said, hey, there's a possibility you may never get your private pilot certificate. You may just do this forever. You might not even solo. You may just have fun and do this, but just know what you're getting yourself into. And if you enjoy it, continue doing it because it's fun to go flying. And if you treat it, and if you're not cut out to be a solo pilot, maybe it's just fun to go flying. You want to go fly with your flight instructor friends, which is also a blast. I have a few friends that are like that. And uh, we'll just go fly because they love flying still, um, especially people that lose their medicals. They, they enjoy doing that. I know at the flight school that I was at a while ago, there was a student who was in his 80s and all he wanted to do was go fly again because he missed it. And uh, no, he couldn't get a medical anymore. He was, still, he was still a certificated pilot, but he couldn't fly anymore. So long story long, just uh, keep in mind, there's, there's different things that can uh, affect your training and, and, and the length of time it's going to take. There's one thing I think is worth bringing up because he is an international student. You have to speak English in order to be a pilot. You have to at least speak it and be able to converse with everything aviation related with air traffic control and other pilots. And I've been doing Duolingo just for Spanish. And Spanish is hard enough to learn. 
if you even think about trying to learn English, it's tough. It's a weird language. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of weird sayings and weird things. And for international students especially, that could be something that you know puts a pause on your solo. Is if you're not ready for it or your English isn't quite there, that could definitely delay it. So that's another thing worth thinking about. Now, there is an English level uh, language standard that is required by the FAA that uh, your CFI actually signs off on that you are English proficient. I believe when you get your student pilot certificate, you have to sign it off. If, if it's not on the student pilot, you definitely have to, to check it off when you sign somebody off for an FAA check ride. At least one of the two. I haven't uh, looked at that document for a little while or had any non-English speaking students where I've thought about it for a while. But yeah, that is a big one. Uh, you really have to kind of think about that. And if English is your second language, just keep in mind, you might need to refresh your English, especially on plain English. And when I say plain, it's P-L-A-N-E, not uh, P-L-A-I-N, plain English. I believe there's even a company out there that does just aviation English lessons. Like I think it's called just plain English with plain spelled like an airplane. You'd have to look that up. Maybe we should ask them if they want to sponsor our podcast. I think that'd be fantastic. What do you think, Carson? I think that'd be a pretty fun sponsor. But, you know, keep going on. Uh, I'd like to preface our last crazy story with a quick explanation. There is a program by the TSA where some airline pilots who undergo really extensive training are allowed to carry guns with them in the cockpit. And these pilots are called federal flight deck officers, and they're trained and licensed to carry weapons and defend commercial aircraft against criminal activity and terrorism. So with that being said, there was a Delta first officer, Jonathan Dunn, who in August of 2022 threatened to shoot the captain. The captain wanted to divert the flight due to a passenger medical event, and Dunn had a disagreement with him and told the captain he would be shot, quote, multiple times if the flight was diverted. So that's kind of crazy. I mean, having that kind of power and having that kind of trust and undergoing that kind of background check, especially just to be able to carry a gun in, in the cockpit, only to threaten your captain with that gun. That's just absurd. That is pretty insane. Uh, we can't find many more details on exactly how this played out, uh, but we can tell you that that Dunn was relieved of duty by Delta uh, and his medical has been suspended. The reason that we talk about this case today is just this month, Dunn was federally indicted by a Utah grand jury and charged with interference uh, with a flight crew through assaulting and intimidating a crew member. So that tells us I'm all for uh, you're innocent until proven guilty, but uh, it sounds like this guy was guilty. The fact that he did this was pretty insane. I think all the stories we talked about were pretty crazy today, uh, but just threatening, I don't, what goes through people's minds? I don't understand how people could be this nuts. I mean, I have gone through downtown LA and before, and I've seen some crazy people run and throw things at my car before just because they're crazy. And, but those are people with like mental health issues that are homeless. So this, this kind of actually outlines a, a bigger problem that, uh, that we weren't even going to talk about today. And I'm just thinking about it right now. And there's mental health problems are rampant in our country. They're rampant in every industry there is. And guess what? They are also rampant in the aviation industry. But there's a big difference between our industry and other industries around the world. If you work for a company and you tell them you need a mental health break or you need something like that in another industry, they normally give you some days off. They'll tell you to go get help. They'll put you in a rehab facility. They'll do things to help you. Well, the problem is, in our industry, in the aviation industry, if we report that on our medicals, or we tell somebody about that, we ruin our lives. We potentially lose our medical, we lose our job, we lose our livelihoods, we lose everything that's near and dear to us that we worked so hard for our entire lives. We lose our seniority, we lose everything. So what do most people do? They do not report it. And is that a safety issue for us? 
absolutely it's a safety issue for us. People not reporting health issues on their medical is an issue. It's been an issue for a long time. We need to figure out a way for, for pilots to feel secure in their life that they will be able to go get help and they will be able to solve their mental health issues. Now, I will tell you this, if you reported any mental health issue in the, in the past uh, on your medical and you were, had to take medication for depression, uh, you were pretty much automatically declined a medical and it was jumping through hoops to get a medical. Nowadays, they are approving some medications. I don't know what those are, but they are approving some medications and some, some things, but you still have to jump through a lot of hoops. I'm not happy about the jumping through hoops part, but there's probably people that are on these medications secretly. And they're flying airplanes and they're flying us around. And I feel actually more safe with the people that are flying us around on these airplanes that are actually taking medication to help them with their mental health issues, rather than the people that are hiding it and just dealing with it internally and are getting suicidal thoughts and all of these other things. That scares me a lot more than people getting medicated and trying to help themselves because they want to be better people for themselves, for their families, and for the passengers that entrust their lives with them. So that's how I feel about it. I think that all three of these issues really outline that mental health issue that is, that is rampant in our country today that we need to solve. I've noticed that every 20 or 30 years, mental health comes up, at least in recent past in our country, and now is, is no different. In the 80s and 90s, it was really big to get a therapist and, and work on yourself. I think that self-help books, uh, wanting to better yourself is, is a great thing that you need to do. I have a goal in my life. I want to be slightly better than I was the day before. And that's either personally, with my health, with my company, my friends, something. I want to be 1% better or just a little better. It doesn't have to be 1%. But I can know every single day that I am becoming a better person. And that's what I strive to do. And uh, in our industry, the FAA doesn't allow that currently. I think they do a lot of great things, but sometimes uh, things need, need to be changed and they're outdated. So I really hope that the FAA does something different on that. And typically, you've heard me more times than not. I'm a big supporter of the FAA, and I still am. But there are some things that need to change in the FAA, and uh, this happens to be one of them in my eyes. That was really good. You kind of took my soapbox from me because I was going to say some of that, but I just like to say ditto. <laughs> no, there are a lot of changes that need to happen. I mean, obviously, three of these events happening, I guess two technically happening this week, and one getting indicted. That's a lot to go on in aviation. You know, that does sow some distrust. In, in pilots when that kind of thing happens. And it's up to a lot of normal pilots just to kind of bring that trust back. And having these kind of problems addressed through getting arrested and getting indicted and going through the, the entire process does instill some more trust that these pilots won't be back out there, won't be flying again. The student pilot especially is never going to fly again. I mean, I wouldn't want him at my flight school after that. But I'm glad there's changes that are slowly coming up, no matter how they do come up. Absolutely. I'm happy that things are changing and, and things are changing for the better. Just kind of one incident at a time are making things change. Uh, unfortunately, it's taking incidents to do that. But I feel strongly about our future. And uh, I'm excited that I'm a part of the aviation industry and, and where it's going now. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate everyone listening. I really enjoyed this episode, actually. I think that everyone else will too, uh, Carson. And uh, this was a great idea. This was all Carson's idea to talk about this episode. I have to give him props for that. And it ended up being uh, really enjoyable to talk about and to learn more. And maybe we'll do some more of these types of episodes uh, to kind of give insight into the background of our aviation industry. So if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us uh, on our emails. Brandon at AviationMentors.com is me. And for Carson, it's Carson at AviationMentors.com. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.